Hello everyone, I'm Paris Fox, and I'd like to welcome you to 12 O'Clock High, a podcast on business leadership with Tom Fox, hosted by Richard Lummis. Hello and welcome to another episode of 12 O'Clock High, a podcast about business leadership and leadership in general. This is Richard Lummis. I'm here with Tom Fox for another discussion on how to improve our leadership skills by learning from others, drawing lessons from many sources, including history, fiction, film, and business writing. Welcome back, Tom. Thank you, Richard. We're recording this in December of 2017, so it seemed like a good time to reflect and for a year-end review of the topics we've covered in the past 12 months. Um, we focused, as usual, on topics involving leadership, but this year we, we covered movies, as we usually do around Oscar time. Uh, we covered several presidents, uh, including a, lot of, a couple of lesser-known ones that I learned a lot about, and some other interesting individuals, and then a few other topics that uh, I thought were of interest. So, I guess the first movie we did was Mutiny on the Bounty. Um, with Captain Bly as a, as a leader. Um, All the King's Men, Patton, Catch-22, Dracula, and Bridge on the River Kwai. Which of those do you think uh, is most memorable to you, Tom? Well, we should probably acknowledge our fan base because our fan base has uh, clearly uh, sta- made a statement that Dracula, le- uh, lessons learned, leadership lessons learned from Dracula was their favorite. And so for all you fans out there, thanks for making Dracula our number one podcast of all time. Uh, so, uh, but actually, I think probably uh, Patton, I felt like I knew uh, well because I'd studied him extensively over the years. Probably the movie that surprised me was uh, Meet Me on the Bounty. Uh, first of all, it was it's just a gorgeous movie. And travelogue, um, history... Uh, leadership, interpersonal relations, uh, you know, it wasn't pre-code, but uh, still, I felt pretty sensual in the <laughs> island scenes. Uh, so lots uh, really to, uh, to enjoy from a, leader, uh, from a movie and visual perspective. Uh, the sailing uh, sequences were fabulous. Uh, what surprised me was that we were able to see the two sides of Captain Bly as leader. At, when he was on the bounty, he was almost a marionette uh, uh, with his, uh, the way he treated men, the way he treated people, the discipline he uh, la- uh, required others to lash onto the men, and how um, he really uh, completely mistreated the crew, probably exactly as uh, a captain from the British Navy from the late 1700s. Yet when he was... Uh, the mutiny occurred and he was put on the small boat. Uh, the navigation he accomplished uh, in his journey is well documented and well known and, and it was just an outstanding naval effort. But the, his leadership style completely changed. He became one of the men and he suffered with the men. Obviously in an open boat it's a lot more, more easy to suffer, but he shared rations. And that was clearly communicated in the movie. Uh, and it was his, uh, I hate to say force of will, but I would certainly say his leadership, which got that, that longboat home and saved those men. And so you saw really, um, I hate to say the good and evil in all of us, uh, because I think it was something very different than that. 
yet we saw a style of leadership that worked at that point, at that time, and at that moment. And if we drew the lesson coming forward in uh, 2017 might be uh, certainly uh, to assess your own company's needs, your own company's risks, and lead accordingly. And uh, in that situation, he did where he obviously failed on the bounty. Yeah. Well, I think we've, we've touched on it before, and I think one of the reasons behind this podcast is to analyze your own management skill and to analyze your weaknesses and, and try to develop new strengths. And the type of manager Black could be on a small boat, he was not capable of being on a larger boat. So either he should never have been elevated to that command or he needed to adjust his style. Um, one of two ways. The movie I thought was most surprising was Bridge on the River Kwai. Hmm. Because of my sympathy for the commander of the Japanese prison camp, who was the one who was put in an impossible situation. Right. And uh, responded with brutality, which probably not the best. But uh, but I had, I had totally missed that the first time I'd seen, for several times I saw the movie. And then there was Catch-22, which is just a marvelous... Uh, Catch twenty two was, and I guess the the leader the lesson from uh, Bridge on the River Kwai is uh, the beatings will stop after morale improves, <laughs> yeah. uh, perhaps. But uh, the growth we see in many of these characters, obviously, it's it's a part of storytelling, and that's a well known technique in storytelling. But I think that the business leader can also uh, uh, take lessons, if not inspiration, from this because it's. It's in the business leadership context. It's leaders adapting to the circumstances around them. It's not necessarily personal growth, although that may be the the storytelling part of it. But with Captain Bly, with the uh, prison camp uh, commandant, uh, we saw them adapt to the circumstances that they were put in front of when their initial types of leadership skills or leadership techniques did not work. Moving on to the President series that we've been doing for quite a while now. Uh, This year we covered Martin Van Buren, uh, Thomas Jefferson, John Adams, Andrew Jackson, James Monroe, and Ulysses Grant. Which was your favorite of those? So, uh, I loved them all. I just (laughs) love studying the Presidents. Uh, I've always done it. I guess the one that surprised me the most, uh, because I had forgotten the most was Jackson. And obviously during the presidential campaign of 2016, he was mentioned a little bit uh, for the first time in quite some time. Uh, Trump has not really talked about him as much since he's become president. Uh, But to to go back and study the um, uh, strategy that Jackson used in the uh, second bank charter battle, and how that was really a uh, continuum, I think, from the 1820s literally through the 1830s. Uh, then we, when we got to Martin Van Buren, we saw um, Van Buren had to deal with a fallout in, in many ways uh, because of the recession slash depression that came about uh, from that inflationary period after the second bank charter uh, failed or was not renewed, I, should, I suppose I should say. But that was the one I think I enjoyed the most in revisiting someone who I thought I had known, but when we studied through the lens of uh, business leadership, really a, a different uh, picture emerged, emerged for me. Well, the thing I've enjoyed most about the presidential series is, as you pointed out with Jackson, um, learning a lot about someone I thought I knew something about, 
but also learning something about someone about how I knew virtually nothing, such as Martin Van Buren. Yes. Um, who is actually basically the founder of the modern American political system <laughs> and a man who's totally forgotten by history. Uh, and I guess actually the second one uh, was James Monroe. Yes. Uh, it was last of sort of the, uh, the original um, founders, uh, president after <clears throat> a run of... Uh, George Washington, John Adams, Thomas Jefferson, and James Madison, and then James Monroe. And uh, I really hadn't focused on the accomplishments of Monroe uh, uh, during his presidency, but he, he did accomplish a lot, and it was an accomplishment not necessarily where he led from the front. In many ways, uh, he used influence, uh, cajoling, in a way that uh, I really not uh, appreciated uh, his innate political skills. Um, but I enjoyed uh, him uh, a little bit more than I had anticipated. And then the other thing was, um, and I suppose if, if someone had picked up a two-by-four, they would have hit us in the head. We, this is so obvious. None of these men got to be president because they weren't good politicians. They had some skills. Now, we haven't gotten to Warren Harding, uh, <laughs> so maybe maybe there's one or two that don't work. But um, these men all had great skills. They all had, all had great people skills. They all had great leadership skills. And even if they weren't on the pantheon of some of our greatest presidents, they were able to, to accomplish two or three or four things. And, and let me point to Monroe once again. He was the first person to travel across the United States. And that was wildly popular with the citizens of the United States. You and I would probably take that for granted now. But as the first one to do it, um, uh, I guess we'd never have a flight to Varennes uh, in the United States, but uh, just the simple traveling around, meeting the people was, was wildly popular. And uh, by doing it, he improved not only his personal standing, with the populace, but I think also the institution of the presidency. Well, in some of the biographies we've been looking at, uh, the period with Monroe and Jackson and Van Buren was one of enormous change, economic, cultural, um, technological, uh, just in every way in the American uh, economy and society. And we're, we're going through, I think, another period similar to it in terms of the rapidity and scope of the change. So it's interesting to see how they dealt with it. Um, moving on, we did The Battle of Way in 1968, which I thought was a fantastic book. And a lot of, lot of lessons on that, whether you're talking about small unit leadership or, or command. Uh, it was, uh, once again, thank you uh, for uh, suggesting that book to me. It was a great book, I think. Probably, uh, really, every American should read it. Certainly every um, everyone in the U.S. military should read it uh, for lots of different reasons. Uh, whether you want to look at Vietnam from the political perspective, whether you want to look at Vietnam from the <coughs> cultural perspective, whether you want to look at Vietnam from the military perspective, the home front, uh, any of those, it's extremely well covered in the book. And the, the leadership lessons uh, that we saw, that we both seemed to focus on, were in the obtaining the feedback loop, the information and data fed up from the operationalized uh, men on the ground. And that information was roundly rejected by senior management here, the uh, leaders of the American military effort, and 
I've wondered, is it, I guess you would have to say it was because they didn't fit the narrative that they believed in. Um, I don't think they wanted the war. Um, oh. Anyway, it just didn't fit the narrative that they saw the communists uh, on the run and uh, victory was uh, literally, uh, well, uh, Westmoreland was on a victory tour. Yeah. Uh, and then the intelligence that came out, um, particularly around Quezon, uh, a very important battle, at least important to the Americans, that the uh, as late as two or three days after the uh, initial Tet attack, uh, Secretary of Defense Robert McNamara was still believing that uh, uh, the Tet Offensive was a diversion to take troops away from Way. And I uh, recognize that sometimes uh, uh, leaders make those kind of missed calls on diversions, but uh, to, to make that mistake in the face of what was clearly an overwhelming uh, uprising literally across the country uh, was a huge failure of American intelligence. Well, and I guess that brings up one of my favorite podcasts of the year, which was the Uda Loop, uh, the first step of which is observe. Yes. And in the absence of accurate information, you're not going to make good decisions. Absolutely correct. Yeah. Uh, but a, a great book, and uh, certainly would recommend... Uh, 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 anyone interested in, in Vietnam or American military or, or the 60s to, to that book. And we also discussed Dunkirk, which has come down in history as sort of a great victory, and it was a great psychological and propaganda victory for the British, but it was a military disaster. And we came at it from a couple of viewpoints, the, the recent movie, which was quite good, uh, the book Blitzkrieg, and then a couple of other um, histories. Um, but I, I thought that that discussion was also interesting. It was it was very interesting. The uh, research material you provided, I think, from Blitzkrieg, yep. uh, really uh, uh, opened uh, opened me up to understanding that of the campaign that led to Dunkirk, and it was a much wider and broader front, even in northern northwestern France, than I had uh, fully appreciated, and that the successful. <clears throat> fighting retreat that the British had put on uh, just to get themselves in a position where they could be uh, rescued from Dunkirk uh, is not talked about nearly as much as it should be. I think the movie really spoke to uh, certainly the more dramatic elements, but the movie structure uh, of, uh, I think it was uh, a week, a day, an hour, uh, and then on air, land, and sea, um, you saw different uh, leadership skills. Uh, from from each each one of those, from the uh, RAF pilots uh, in the one hour, from the naval commanders on the Solent uh, for a week, and then the um, men coming over from Britain in the 24-hour slot all showed different types of leadership, certainly very courageous leadership, but also responding to the circumstances on the ground and the risk that they saw and how they managed the risk that was put in front of them literally at a moment's notice. Well, and I guess the other thing is the whole thing was keyed on the unsung heroes and the extraordinary training and professionalism that went into the British Army uh, pre-war uh, enabled them to do the fighting retreat. And the other thing that uh, I was unaware of was the extraordinary heroism of the French in that particular yes. episode, yes, um, which also enabled the British to withdraw the bulk of their forces. Um, 
Other individuals we talked about included Churchill, Stephen F. Austin, and Toussaint Louverture. So I was really, I really enjoyed the Toussaint Louverture. Uh, I'd studied him in college and have always been fascinated by him. Uh, first uh, uh, successful slave revolt in the New World. Uh, but the leadership skills, uh, his regime would certainly be characterized as one of very brut brutality now. <laughs> but the thing I, I, I thought I learned in college that I think was driven home by our exploration was that at that point, at that time, in that set of circumstances, he brought the right set of leadership skills to bear. And at the end, he, he was not successful, but uh, he, he was taken to France and executed. Uh, I think he was executed. Or did he just die in prison? I don't remember, actually. I think he just died in prison. He died in prison in France. But uh, he, he set a model that uh, was used uh, many times forward. Yeah. Um, and now, just some teasers for next year. We'll be continuing to address several topics that we've discussed, including uh, the Wells Fargo uh, debacles, in plural, um, and executive clawbacks. We'll be discussing Uber and the recent uh, letter that came out detailing some of the misadventures of their corporate intelligence. Corporate espionage department. <laughs> uh, General Electric will also be coming back to uh, as we find out more about the transition and uh, see how hard it is to turn around a ship that big. And then we'll be talking about some more presidents. Um, Certainly, we're going to do Chester Arthur, um, who is one I knew nothing about until a recent biography came out, and he's a fascinating individual and it's a fascinating time. Uh, James K. Polk, um, also far more influential than his current reputation would suggest, and then Harry Truman. And, and I would say that uh, we didn't really uh, review uh, our uh, podcast on Grant, but the biography by Ron Chernow is just great. And uh, I think we both uh, realized we need to go back and take a serious look at Grant's leadership uh, from the military's perspective. Uh, the leadership he exhibited as president is often uh, not given uh, much credit, but uh, everyone uh, credits his leadership skills on the military front, so perhaps uh, we can visit that as well. But the, uh, the things that we're going to need to continue to look at, I think uh, you're absolutely spot on. And uh, one thing I've learned is uh, every time I think We've had the world's biggest scandal. Well, I just uh, <laughs> wait again, and uh, something will happen. Well, as, as I was reading the other day, somebody said, 2016 is the craziest year ever. 2017 said, hold my beer. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, Richard's been a, a great year. We've really learned a lot, and um, uh, I guess I'm still amazed at the Dracula yeah. episode. Uh, people just love that one for some reason. Well, and those of you who, who missed some of these um, that we've touched on today, I hope you'll go back and listen to them. Um, and I hope you'll keep following us in 2018. So for now, this is Richard Lummis and Tom Fox with 12 O'Clock On. This is Paris Fox again. We hope you enjoyed this episode of 12 O'Clock High, a podcast on business leadership with Tom Fox. If you enjoyed the show, please go to iTunes and rate the podcast. Thank you for listening. This is Tom Fox. I hope you have enjoyed our exploration of various forms of leadership in 2017 on 12 O'Clock High, a podcast on business leadership. Richard and I would love to hear from you. You can email me at tfox at tfoxlaw.com. 
you can email Richard at rlummis at pipeline.com. Thank you very much for listening, and I hope you will join us again in 2018. 12 O'Clock High is a part of the Compliance Podcast Network. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.